Hello and welcome to the St Mungo's podcast and firstly a very very happy new year to you all. This is not legal part three, we felt this was probably a more appropriate podcast uh, to be our first of a new year when people are contemplating uh, lifestyle changes and new year's resolutions etc. So this episode is on lifestyle medicine and what is that you may ask? Well it's an approach to improving patient health through optimising daily life. So looking at things like nutrition, physical activity, sleep optimization, stress management, etc. And we're speaking to Poonam Krishan, who is a GP from Glasgow. And she, by her own admission, was a partner at a young age, had a young family, and she found herself burned out. And she discovered lifestyle medicine, and it transformed her own life personally, but also how she treats her patients. So we asked her to sit down with us and to give us some life hacks, little changes we can make to our daily routines that will hopefully make us a little bit happier, a little bit healthier and a little bit more productive. So I hope you enjoy. I'm Dr. Poonam Krishan and I'm a GP here in Glasgow. Um, Some of my other roles are that I'm a trustee and director for the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine. Um, I'm also uh, an educator, so I'm a lecturer at the University of Glasgow. I'm a freelance writer and I also blog for various platforms, including the Huffington Post, um, Pulse, and I'm also a columnist for a magazine and a newspaper. Okay, so I thought we would try and just learn a little bit from your experience, the things that you've changed in your life, your daily life, um, and how that has impacted you and how we can maybe introduce some of those uh, little hacks into our own life. Um, so let, let's start with a day, just a typical day. We're waking up. What are what are some of the things that we maybe don't do now that we could maybe introduce that would maybe make some differences? Sure. Um, the one thing that I've learned as a doctor is that as doctors, no two days, in fact, no two cases are ever the same. And each day we walk out of work, even on a good day, with a lot of stress. So there's a lot of things that happen at work that we cannot control. So it's really important that the things that we can control, i.e. a routine, that we really hone in and work on that as making it our daily practice. So the thing that I've kind of found most helpful for me waking up is being having an, is having an hour to myself in the morning. So I guess this kind of probably came from, I did a lot of sort of self-development, read a lot of books, looked at what all the really successful people in the world were doing. Um, And I kind of found a trend that in order to be successful, you know, people wake up earlier in the morning. So the earlier you rise in the morning, the more chances of productivity you've got the rest of the day. Um, So that golden hour is what I call it in the morning. Um, And because I've got a little one, once he's up and the day gets started, I have zero time to myself. So I tend to get up at quarter to six every morning. And during that hour, that is my time. So sometimes I'll kind of go to the gym. Um, I tend to go CrossFit um, early morning. Um, if I can get my physical exercise done or my workout done in the morning, I generally feel that the day starts off well. Um, I start off on a high and of course endorphins and all. Um you just generally have a far more productive morning. Um, If not that, I tend to do my reading or um, I do a lot of journaling, but it's just that hour in the morning is solely for me to chill out, um, have a nice shower, just whatever. And I do definitely recommend that everybody invest that one hour to yourself in the morning. Um, And yes, it means getting up a little bit earlier, um, but you'll feel so much better for it. 
Okay, so you've got your your hour to yourself, and now your child's up and you're getting ready for work. What about breakfast? We, we keep hearing that breakfast is a really important meal of the day. What, what, what do you do at breakfast time? Um, absolutely. You cannot run on zero fuel. So you've starved overnight, you've not eaten, you've not drank any water. So your body obviously needs to be hydrated and it needs to be refueled. Um, I know often we are running out the door because we've got a shift starting early, but I do think that the importance of fueling yourself with a good nutritious breakfast really sets you up for the day. So even if it comes to lunchtime and you're not getting away, you've at least had a bit of energy into you um, to start the day. So yeah, I will always make time for breakfast. Um, and again, incorporate that into your hour if you must. Um there is no point in eating food on the go. And I think that nowadays in society, we are so rushed off our feet. It's such an instant go world that we've, 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 we just don't have the ability actually to stop, enjoy the plate of food that's in front of us. So eating food actually starts from the moment you start preparing that food. So there's no reason why you can't prepare something like overnight oats the night before and um, so it's ready to eat but you know what sit down enjoy that breakfast take your time with it allow digestion to happen the way that it should be um, and yeah get your day started okay so we're we're about to head off to work <laughs> anything even about getting to work what, how do you get there can you be too distracted too busy or or is there means of transport or tell us how what, what do you do so personally, um, my next bit is not often stress-free because I have to try and get my five-year-old into school. So that bit is often quite stressful. <laughs> Once I have done that, um, my practice isn't close to where I live, so I have to drive. Um, I use that time to listen to podcasts. I'm always listening to a podcast whenever I'm on the go. Um, I find that listening to some good quality um podcast by um, some experts that I would definitely recommend i.e. Dr. Rangan Chatterjee um, his podcast Live Better Feel More is fantastic um, there's the Food Medic podcast which again is really good um, the Broken Brain podcast is another one that I would highly recommend but I just feel it's a good way sometimes just to get yourself into a positive mindset um, rather than listening to I don't know well, I guess music's good too. <laughs> <laughs> Probably whatever you enjoy. You can enjoy, always get your it? CPD out the road as well. There's some really good educational podcasts. It's a good way to get yeah, 60 minutes. That's your thing. Um, but yeah, I will always listen to a good podcast um, en route to work. Uh, and the other thing is I don't get a huge amount of time to kind of get lots of physical activity throughout the day. So I'll always park my car a few streets away from my practice, um, which lets me walk. So that's what I tend to do. Okay, so it doesn't stop there, does it? I think now we're at work, we're all busy. Our days are just go, go, go. I'm sure you're exactly the same. But yet you've still found ways to do things, um, even at work, that can make a difference. So let's let's talk about some of those. What are, what are the main things that, that you'd like to get across? So my day um, in GP land is busy from the moment I get through the door. So I... It's really important for me that I take as many sort of me breaks as I can throughout the day, which isn't often easy, but I've really put myself into a habit of making that um, non-negotiable. So, um, And what is a me break? How long does it have to be and what would you do in that So a me break? break is literally anything from a couple of minutes of just kind of taking some deep breaths in before opening the door to get 
getting my patient to stopping and reminding myself to drink water. It's as simple as that. Um, I found that up until a year ago before I burnt out, things that I wasn't doing was ever stopping. You know, I would let hours go before I went to the loo. <laughs> I wouldn't drink any water. I'd be sitting drinking coffee all day because it was kind of that kind of survival mode that you kind of go into when you enter work. Um, so yeah, uh, me break is every time I kind of go to pick up my patients I will take a couple of deep breaths I walk to get my patients every time um in any this might not be the case because I think you guys are always on your feet um Pretty but certainly much feels like it yeah maybe you need to sit a bit more um well saying that there though we do sit a lot <laughs> writing notes and stuff so it's probably a bit more of a mixture but yeah 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 I think that the key is just to to keep your physical levels physical activity levels up um the other thing is making sure that you are eating and again we can go long shifts and realize that you haven't eaten anything in hours so I will always take a bag full of kind of healthy snacks which I prepare sort of the days before um whether that's nuts whether that's kind of just fruit um and that is stuff that you can easily eat at your desk as well um we let our energy levels lapse we get grumpy we then go for coffee we then go for the biscuits that are lying at the end of the table and we binge and come for eat and we're all guilty of it but long term that is a contributing factor to sort of poor diets more stress and yeah long-term disease so I often find that my diet is never worse than it is at work. And I actually think I have a pretty good diet and I don't eat a lot of sweets or, or drink a lot of fizzy juice. Um, but I seem to do that at work a lot. Why is that? Is that like a, I don't know if that's a stress thing or is it a, just a comfort thing or is it just, it's, um, I don't know. Is there any any way to, you talked about eating healthier, but any any way of avoiding the bad stuff and 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 you know being more healthy with your eating at work yeah um we're all guilty of it and of course if there is a big box of chocolates lying there and you haven't eaten in hours your sugar levels naturally have dipped um you're going to go for that because your body is craving energy um which is why it's important that you're mindful and always having a stash of healthy snacks on you but i think the when we look at well-being across the practice or your wider um, team of colleagues, it's about doing the journey together. So really kind of empowering one another to say, look, let's not be bringing in biscuits. And while bake days are lovely, let's not bring that into the department. Let's all invest in having some healthy snacks on hand because then you're all actually helping each other be healthy too. Um and I think that that really goes a long way. We have like a no cake rule at practice. So, yeah, something to try. So what, what are your favorite snacks? What, what do you like to, to snack at at work? <laughs> what do I take as snacks? So um, I really just copy what I give my son, really. So I tend to... I love nuts, so I always have a wee handful of nuts. Um, fruit's always a great one, so I will always have a banana <laughs> and some other form of fruit. Um, I love little protein bars, so again, um, naked bars, I kind of like them. That tends to kind of be my snacks. Okay, breaks are hard to come by at work, but obviously it's good to take them if you can. What what do you generally find yourself doing on a break? What what would be the right thing to do if, if you can get a, a bit of time? What, what should we do? 
I personally feel very institutionalized by the end of my working day. Um, so if I don't get out during the day, um, I feel myself a lot more anxious than I would otherwise. So I think wherever possible, sometimes just getting that two minutes of fresh air, having some breathing outside or just getting yourself away from the workstation, it kind of adds more productivity to the work that you're doing. So if you've got a lunch break, just get yourself out for a few minutes, go for a wee walk around the block if you can. In hospital, that might not be easy, but just get yourself some fresh air. So morale seems to be at an all-time low, I don't know, uh, in emergency medicine. Um, certainly feels that way, maybe I've got that wrong, but it's certainly people are very stressed, and, you know, the workload is going up, um, and, and there's a lot of kind of simmering unhappiness, I think, in the job. There's a lot of people leaving. What can we do? Are there any simple things? I know it's a big topic to try and solve, but um, any little simple things that we personally can bring, you know, to add a little bit of positivity to the day for ourselves and for others. So, yeah, I think that what's really important is mindset. I think somewhere along the line, we lose connection with the reason that we became doctors um, purely because we're so stressed out. Our days are fast. Our rotors are hellish. Uh, we never get a break. And, you know, we forget what the best version of ourselves feels like. So I would definitely say that the most important thing we can do is work on getting and finding the best version of ourselves and bringing only that to work. When somebody comes in and they're negative, they're in a bad mood, that instantly rubs off on everyone around them and really influences the way that their day is going to go too. And it's not really fair. Um, little things that we can do is just being nice to our colleagues. Like nobody really wants to be at work. Well, we probably do want to be at work, but you know, if we could be sitting do in we? the Bahamas, do like we? <laughs> we'd rather be sitting in the Bahamas, but you know, it's how to make the workspace a nicer place to be for everyone in the same way that you would do at home. Um, so just being kind, being nice, smiling, offering to make a cup of tea. If you can see that somebody's having a bad day and remember that our juniors are always watching us. I've always got medical students and I've always got junior doctors and the way that I behave will directly influence the way that they will see the profession. So it's important to be role models to our juniors, to be kind to our colleagues and just remember that we're all humans trying to serve. And yeah, that's the thing I'd say. <laughs> Okay, so let's say we're at work and something very stressful happens. Do you have a, a, a means of handling that stress? What, what would you do if you have a bad interaction with a patient or something and they've left the room? What, what do you kind of do to kind of unwind from that? I think having insight is the most important thing because how we are feeling um directly influences the next interaction that we're going to have so if you are really anxious or upset or angry um, in a particular situation and you delve straight into the next case you're going to be carrying that forward with you so I think it's always good to kind of take a moment to recognize that I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed at the moment and remove yourself from the situation to recalibrate um, for me Often breathing techniques, um, which I've learned over the last year, um, are really helpful. One thing that we do when we're really stressed is we forget to breathe and we shallow breathe. And the result of that is that we're not oxygenating ourselves very well, um, which obviously just puts you into a negative cycle um, of stress. So the other thing that I see a lot with doctors that come to see me is, um, 
as their GP, doctors tend to kind of say that they use the Headspace app. Now, I've certainly found this app to be very useful also. And it's got lots of little exercises and sort of one minute, three minute um, exercises that you can do, which just, again, let you focus on your breathing, focus on recalibrating the mindset. Um, and often doctors will say that they go to the toilet, for example, and just remove themselves for a few minutes just to kind of find calm again. Just talking about your own breathing routine. Mm, what what mm. is your routine, do you mind? Yeah, sure. So literally just breathing in for four and breathing out for eight. Um, and I find that that really helps. And I do that two or three times and that just... <sighs> and for how long each time? Sorry. Um, so during my day, if it's just uh, sort of throughout surgery, I'll just do it before I go and get a patient. So two or three breaths. If I'm feeling particularly anxious, I'll just take five or ten minutes out just to to focus on my breathing and just calm myself down. Okay, we've got it through the day and we're heading home. Does your journey home differ from your journey to work? Definitely. Um, so I'm normally wired at the end of my day, um, seen God knows how many patients, dealt with so many tasks and I'm often frazzled and yeah, I've then got the second shift, which is childcare, etc. So the drive home, if it's not a podcast, it's usually me singing my favourite tunes <laughs> and blasting it out wow. the car. At um, full volume. Full volume. Yep. Who cares? Any, which songs are you talking oh, about What here? songs? It could be anything depending on the mood that I'm in. <laughs> right. I think, do you want to give us a wee blast of anything now? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just think that um, the drive home sometimes, um, it's a good time really to reflect. Um, again, it is you time. So whether that is just driving in silence, listening to something that makes you feel good, music is a great way to really change your mind um, and our mindset. So yeah, um, I kind of find that the drive home to be one that's therapeutic in many ways. I tend not to call my mum because that often stresses me out. So <laughs> <laughs> don't call people that will wire you up even more. <laughs> I can thank you. That would be in my life. Okay, so... You've sang your way home <laughs> and we're now at home. I've heard you talk before, maybe it was an article I read, that evening routines are quite important to you. So tell us a wee bit about what is your evening routine like? Yeah, evening routines are probably the single most important thing that you can master if you want your days to go well. So the way I normally describe it is that you would never turn up for uh, an exam without preparing. You wouldn't turn up to do a presentation without preparing. Yet we wake up every morning expecting the day to be wonderful, but we don't prepare for it. So I do feel that the evening routine is, is extremely important. And mine, certainly, I'm still tweaking every day, but um, I'd be lost without it. Give me a few little things. That, what, what could we... You know, what have you learned from all your wee tweaks that, that we could add to our kind of evening routines? Yeah, so mine's really kind of started um, a few years ago when I was observing the way that I would put my son to sleep. So we would have an early dinner and with him then we would give him a bath and we would read him a story and then we would put him to bed and his room was nice and dark and he slept like a baby all night. And then... 
We do I the opposite. <laughs> would shovel my food down my throat. I would try Too and clean late, up. Yeah. Exactly. I would be um, doing work and catching up on work. I would be on my phone, probably looking through social media or ordering all sorts of stuff on my phone until I would finally fall asleep. And I would definitely not sleep like a baby. Um, and yeah, so I started to kind of think of why am I not spending and investing 60 to 90 minutes? And I did a lot of reading and researching into the kind of the effect of the devices that we use a lot um, and how that impacts sleep during my burnout spell I definitely was exhausted all the time purely because my sleep was so disturbed um, so what I've started doing is I know that I want to be asleep by 10 30 11 at the very latest so say it was 11 um, about 90 minutes before that is when I would start kind of my wind down process the most incredible intervention I've made is putting my phone onto airplane mode because I found that I do a lot of blogging, I do a lot of things online, um, notifications never stop and every time my phone would ping I'd be like oh my god I need to respond to that and it would just put my stress levels up. So by turning it onto airplane mode, I'm not at all disturbed by anything. I leave my phone, every device in our house gets plugged outside. So nothing's being charged in the bedroom. I read before I go to bed. Um, other things I definitely would recommend doing is setting your to-do list for the next day. So often what I used to do was I'd get up in the morning and be like, I've got this to do, that to do, and a whole lot of other things that would just set me off in stress. Whereas now I very much map out the night before what are the most important things that I need to achieve tomorrow. Um, so I'm prepared for it. My mind's prepared for it. Um, affirmations is something that I thought was this kind of woo-woo term a year ago. Um, but when I read the psychology of it, which is really, again, how to prepare your mind for the kind of day that it's going to have tomorrow. We wake up often and go, God, today's going to be a horrible day. Today, I just know something bad's going to happen today. I don't know what it is. And already your mind is geared for something really negative to take place. Whereas if you actually set positive affirmations the night before, I am going to go to the gym tomorrow. I'm going to have a really good day tomorrow. Whatever tomorrow brings, I'm ready for it. You know, before you go to bed, actually, you're kind of setting that tone for your mind. Um, another thing that I do is I journal. So I love kind of writing down how the day went for me. Um, I've been doing this actually for years, but as a trainee, we had to fill out, I don't know if you guys do this in a &E, but it was sort of reflective entries. And I, at the end of it, you've got to do what are the three things or what are the things that you learned from this case that you would do differently. And I often found that that was a great way to kind of almost have gratitude for the case. You'd kind of say, well, I've learned this. Um, I will do this better next time. In the same way, I find that every day looking at my practice of the day, there's always three grateful things that I can find. So I think that no matter how pissed off you might be from your day you always end on a positive note you put the light out and you've kind of got things that you are grateful for um and I think that all these things really help you sleep better they feel, help you feel better um and yeah just prepare you for a better day the next day 
We spoke a wee bit about breakfast. What about time? You mentioned times. We often eat too late. So take yeah. it earlier is a bit better. And what, 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 what do you like to do at dinner times? So dinner time, again, my practice of evening uh, meal times changed when my son started weaning. Um, it's very easy to sit in front of the TV and eat your food, not speaking to anybody. Uh, and this is very common in today's society. But I think that finding the way that we used to eat back in sort of cave days um, has a lot of power in the way that actually we absorb and digest our food. So I will always eat with my family. And this is a rule because I want to teach my son the importance of eating together. I mean, back in historical times, people hunted and gathered for food together. They prepared their food, food together and they ate together. Um, and if we look at a lot of the blue zones of the world where people are living the longest and having the healthiest of lives, it's people that are always doing things in community settings or doing things together. And we've lost that along way here in our western society so meal times for me are very much preparing our food um, as a family sitting down and all speaking to each other not having any devices at the table not having tv on in the background and actually learning to communicate with one another um, there was a time don't get me wrong where I would be sitting looking at my phone my husband would be doing the same and my son would be watching the iPad so I'm not perfect but um, over the last year certainly this practice has really changed the way that we are and also I don't want my son to be sort of stressed out, wired, so and so when he's older. I kind of want him to learn about the importance of connection. So kids love that, don't they? They love that connection, that time. With Absolutely, you. and I think that they need to also learn about what eating. It's an it's an experience. It's not just putting food into our bodies. They kind of need to see how is food actually prepared? What are they eating? What's in front of them? Eating slowly. I think all of this is part of our digestive processes, which, again, we seem to have forgotten. I mean, sometimes I'll ask people, what did you have for lunch? But they've sat at their desk and literally wolfed their food down and they can't remember what they ate. I can. Yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> there were a couple, couple of other things I just wanted to get across as well. One, you'd mentioned, but off air, but I just wanted to put it into the recording that you prepare your food for the next day, your snacks yeah. and stuff. Mm -hmm. So just wanted to get that's in your evening routine as well, isn't it? Yeah, actually, that's something that I do on a Sunday. Um, and again, this is something I've learned because the week, especially the working week, is so fast paced and Often you cannot predict what time you're actually going to finish work with all the will in the world. You think you're going to finish at six, you won't be back till like 7.30. And if you haven't got your food prepared, you're more likely to stop off at a takeaway or to have a ready meal. Um, and I did find that I was guilty of doing stuff like that. Um, so I did learn from a few friends that were very organized that actually prepping all my meals on a Sunday helps really to have a stress-free week so I tend to make all my meals for the week on a Sunday evening either freeze what I can or put it in the fridge everything else I can I pack out our um, snacks for the week as well so much like what I would do for my son um, and it just means everything's ready to grab and go and I'm less likely to then spend money and binge on crap food I feel like there's a lot of living more like children yeah. in, this, in this podcast isn't I have learned so Look much your from kids. What, what what you do for them is nearly what you should be 
kind of doing for yourself in some yeah. ways in some ways literally at med school the one thing that we were taught about was how to look after people but we weren't actually taught how to look after ourselves so my biggest teachers of the last five years believe it or not have been my son who is five and my dog who's 18 months old <laughs> and every day I watch them because they are fully present we are never present in our moments we are either anxious about the future or we're worried about the past you know we're kind of constantly living in this limbo but we're never really present in the moment which is why I think incorporating mindfulness into life is so important it's always looking at the activity in front of you eating with 100% pre presence in that meal um, the conversations that we have really listening to the people that are talking to us rather than kind of thinking of what have I got to do next what's next on the agenda um yeah I think that is a good place to end. But before we end, I was just going to ask you a few audience questions. Is that okay? We yeah. put out a few, uh, just a request for some questions and we got a few. Do you sure. mind if I ask you those? So the first question is from a Gemma Walker and she asks, how does lifestyle medicine fit in with a GP career? I think what she means, and she does say it here, she says, do you offer this as a kind of private practice or do you and have you incorporated into your NHS practice? So lifestyle medicine, um, although it's a term that is very trendy at the moment, it isn't new. So actually, if we look back at what we were taught at medical school, lifestyle medicine is really the social history part of consultations, which we kind of lose connection with because we become so focused on presenting complaints and the history of the presenting complaints, the differential diagnosis and how to manage that problem that we forget actually how to delve deeper into the root causes of the problems themselves. Really, how did the patient arrive in front of you? What is the um, root cause to the stress that they're experiencing, to the diabetes that they've just developed? And it's really trying to work back and looking at their nutrition, their physical activity levels, um, their sleep patterns. Are they sort of having any um, sort of time for themselves and stress management all these things are what lifestyle medicine is um i don't privately practice no i do all this in my own gp um clinic and the other thing that i do is i have a community-based group called glasgow well-beings which myself and my very close friend dr jude marshall who's a gp also doing lifestyle medicine. Um, we set this up because we wanted to explore what lifestyle meant to the general public because ultimately that's the people we became doctors for. So it's really about empowering, inspiring, informing the public about simple lifestyle hacks and tips that they can incorporate into their daily practice so that we can start seeing people more in wellness rather than in illness. And I should say as well that we'll put all of these links in the show notes, sure. including the podcast you mentioned earlier and some other things. Thank you. Um, Mary Louise Thornton, my sister, as it turns out, asks, if a doctor wanted to dip their toe into lifestyle medicine, is there a qualification as such? Where, where would you start? So, yes, um, the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine um, is where you would find the information on the diploma in lifestyle medicine so that is the qualification um so that would be one to check out and that's a kind of recognized accredited uh, diploma is that right yes it is yeah 
Okay, last question. Brian Maven asks, what is the difference between lifestyle medicine and functional medicine? Sure. Um, There's a lot of terms that are um, out there at the moment. There's integrative medicine, there's functional medicine, and there's lifestyle medicine. Essentially, I'm still kind of finding my way at the moment as to the type of practitioner that I will eventually become. But functional medicine really is a systems-based approach to finding the root causes to diseases. So it's really looking at the body at a micro level. So the biochemistry, the physiology, um, the immunology um, of disease. Whereas lifestyle medicine is very much looking at the upstream um, causes of disease and kind of looking at the um, lifestyle factors that have been responsible to that person ending up with that problem. So looking at um, their physical activity levels, their stress levels, sleep quality, etc. Okay. Uh, if you don't mind, I was going to finish with my own question, which I ask everyone, uh, if you don't mind. And that's if you could go back in a time machine and meet your junior self just starting out uh, in your career. What have you gained in all of your experience? And that could be in your GP practice, in your lifestyle medicine experience. What have you gained that you think would be of value to them? What what advice would you give them just starting their career? I think as selfish as this sounds, it's important to be selfish. So what I would say is that nobody on this planet is more important than you. So the number one thing that you can do is invest in yourself. And that means looking after yourself in every way indulging yourself with good health um, because that's what's going to take you throughout your career, throughout your life. And I wish I'd known this many moons ago. Um, And like I said earlier, it's that I've learned so much about how to look after others, but was really never empowered enough to look after myself. And life happens to everyone and life gets more and more challenging over the years. Um, But if you equip yourself with the skills Um, and the tools to check in every day, I think that you'll be fine. Poonam, I think that is a great place to end. Thank you very, very much. Um, I just thought people can follow you, isn't that right? You you do some blogging and stuff. Um, Where where can people find you if they want to to kind of find out more? Sure. So um, I'm quite active on Instagram. Um, So it's at Dr. Poonam Krishan. Um, I've also got my website, which is um, still kind of under construction, but has been helped by uh, a mutual friend Annabelle, of ours, Hannah. Yeah, who, who <laughs> designs the St. Mungo's website. Yes, um, so, so she's been very helpful. She's very talented. So that's uh, www.drpunamchristian.com. Um, and I've also got my Glasgow Wellbeings, which uh, will hopefully be making more of an appearance um, over the next few months. Poonam, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for all your advice. Thank you. So many, many thanks to Poonam for all those little tips. Uh, Lots of great little things, none of which is too complicated um, and could really make a difference. I think my main take-home points are, number one, for a morning routine. uh, Think about getting up early and having a good hour to yourself, as well as a very nutritious breakfast to get you started. Number two, when you're on your way to work, it's a good opportunity to listen to some positive, meaningful and inspiring podcasts. And also think about parking a little bit further away from work so you have to walk that little bit further to get there. 
Number three, at work, take lots of little me breaks through the day. This could be just getting a drink of water, taking a snack, or taking a few deep breaths in between patients. And also bring your best self to work and try and be kind to your colleagues and make it a good atmosphere for everyone. And number four, in the evenings, make sure to eat with your family with no devices or TV. And also put yourself to bed like you would a child. So start to wind down about 90 minutes before bed. Make sure you have no devices on in that time. Do some nice relaxing things like reading or having a bath. And even consider keeping a journal where you write down some positive things that happened to you that day, as well as planning for the day ahead. So many, many thanks again to Punham. Please visit stmungos-ed.com where you can find the show notes for this episode with all the links to the things that we discussed if you want to find out more, as well as all the other additional St Mungo's resources for your enjoyment. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes if you think we're worth it. And finally, I just want to wish you all a very happy, productive, successful, enjoyable and healthy 2019. Take care.